Hypebeast Radio, I'm Jeff Staple, and this is The Business of Hype, a show about creative entrepreneurs, brand builders, innovators, and the realities behind the dreams they've built. Hey everyone, welcome to a very special episode of The Business of Hype. Every so often, I like to conduct live podcast tapings in front of an actual studio audience. The live audience actually changes the dynamic of the conversation that me and my guests have, and I love it. It almost has like a comedy club feel, if you know what I mean. And so today, I gathered three amazingly talented people and one alumni of the Business of Hype. The location, Soho, New York City, in the beautiful Kolhan flagship store. Kolhan was gracious enough to allow us to take over their store and create a really cool vibe over a beautiful summer evening. The topic, work for what you believe in. And I put work in quotes because work is not just what you do anymore. It's actually who you are. People may be more motivated than ever, but they're more burnt out too. What if we stopped relying on escapism and other distractions to avoid burnout? and instead made a mindset and lifestyle shift to address the problem at the core, figuring out what you wanted to do all the time. Working for what you believe in is also Kolhan's unique point of view on the realities of being a young professional in the ever-evolving workplace. They celebrate extraordinary people who are already working for what they believe in, something that is a through line in all the guests I try to bring on the show. And our guests this week all represent this to the fullest but all in their own unique way. They have all had their own grand beginnings and have hustled their way to the top within their respective industries. Mike Sherman, founder of Chinatown Market, is redefining in real time what streetwear means today. His renegade team and equally renegade collaborations are setting new standards in the industry. Jean Grey of Grey Layers is a social media and content maven that quit nursing and defied her parents' wishes to pursue her dreams. And when she was paid $10 to post something over six years ago, she knew she was onto something really big. Finally, Scott Pat is an accomplished artist and the chief creative officer of Kolhan. He talks about a shift from the medical industry to Armani to leading the design efforts at Kolhan today. So everyone, tune in, grab some popcorn, and join our studio audience as I present this live episode of The Business of Hype with Mike Sherman, Gene Gray, and Scott Pat. So um, before we get too far into it, I'd like for my esteemed panel to introduce themselves. Do you want to start, Mike? Yeah. What's going on, guys? I'm Mike Sherman from Chinatown Market. Hi, guys. I'm Gene from Gray Layers. Uh, hi, um, Scott Pat. I work as the Chief Creative Officer for Kolhan and also a visual artist. Cool. The reason why I like this particular discussion is you guys all came up through um, lots of hard work, blood, sweat, and tears experience, but you are all executing it on a different level and a different aspect. So from you know, we can dive in deeper on each of your companies, um, but Scott, I've known you for decades now, working artist, and then but gone through a lot of experience through companies, corporate America, and like really making your your artwork come through 
on a mass level and being able to distribute it globally. Seeing your work, you know, from an art gallery all the way to retail all over the world is is one unique way. Mike, I don't even know where to begin with your story. We'll we'll get into it. But what you've been able to do uh, today, which to me is sort of like the newest iteration of what street culture is, it's like redefining it as we're as we're going. You're sort of writing the playbook as it unfolds <laughs> in in live time. Thank you. Yeah, um, is also really cool, especially from where you came from and like you Absolutely. know uh, some of the experiences that you went through. And then Gene, I think you really represent the new way of storytelling everything. So creating a product not necessarily a product that is to be sold like Scott or Mike do, but be, being able to create a product through storytelling purely is really unique as well. Um, yeah, so I don't want to tell your stories. Like, let's go down and talk about like, you know, briefly how you founded the company and where you are today with it. Yeah, uh, so before doing Chinatown Market, I had a brand called ICNY. It was all running and cycling gear, kind of all focused around the idea of keeping you safe while you run and ride, but also making something that you could wear during the day. Um, you know moderately successful brand and probably 300 plus stores, multi-million dollar business and had the classic story of having an investor kind of, you know, having the rug pulled out and essentially being told one day that it's over. And so uh, after that kind of uh, had a probably nice inflection point and, you know, just not knowing what the hell I was going to do, uh, you know, just being super scared and just uh, freaking out. and. Moved to California with a bunch of debt, ended up uh, having the opportunity to get a free booth for ComplexCon, showed up with five t-shirts and five hats, and uh, sold one of them out that was just like an interesting design that had the word Frank Ocean and the Nike swoosh smashed together when Frank had his album come out. And it was just like a moment where, while that was a really illegal thing to do, it was like a really eye-opening kind of night as I was driving my girlfriend Ashley home from ComplexCon and she was going back to New York and I was just like, I'm going to buy the website swooshfrankocean.com. And the next day we put it up online. It did $50,000 in sales in less than 24 hours. And after that, obviously, I got a trademark infringement from Frank's team. I returned all the money. But I had a moment where I was just like, if I can pull these things from pop culture and smash them together and present it to the people in a rapid moment, I have an opportunity to do something that a lot of people can't do. And with the ability to design, understand how to make things, I took those two skills and kind of smashed them together to be able to birth what Chinatown Market is today, which is, you know, it's... Uh, an interesting approach to what streetwear is. It's definitely an amalgamation of like all these different things that we know and have loved, and you know, also the new trends and new things that we see, and kind of constantly innovating and you know, building upon that. I, I have one follow-up question. From a business standpoint, are you doing better at Chinatown Market than you've ever done at ICNY? I'd say wholeheartedly yes, and you know, also probably coming from a little bit more of a failure standpoint of being young and thinking that an investor and having money is going to change my business when probably understanding what it took to do all the business and yeah. going through that failure and you know, learning that I had to really be involved with everything, not just being a designer. And mm -hmm. I think that it's like mm -hmm. it's easy to be a designer, but it's very hard to run a business. And yeah. so now I'm very deep into thinking about all these things. Well, sure, I'm very much still focused on creativity. Mm -hmm. It's like I'm still very much consider the business, and it's a big focus in everything that we do because we can go, you know, make whatever the hell we want. I can go make the craziest shit in the world, but does that mean that the consumer is going to care about it? And right. you know, many designers in our world design 80% for them, 20% for the people, but I want to do it the opposite way. I want to consider the consumer who is looking at our stuff all day and wants to interact with us, and I want to pull back the curtain and be inclusive, not exclusive. And mm -hmm. I think that it's got to be the opposite. It's got to be, you know, I'm grateful you're giving me your money for the things that I've put my mind into creating, yeah. and I should be grateful to you, and I want to give you as much of an experience as possible. And right. you know, these things will eventually lose its, its luster. And Mm -hmm. sense. Yeah. So. Okay. Wow. 
That was really good. That was really good. Thank you. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Jean, your turn. So the question was how I started. Yeah, how did you start? Okay, well, I was in college, and um, everybody was on social media. Nobody knew what the hell it was. And um, I was in school for nursing. Hated it. My mom, you know, wanted me to be a nurse. That was the only way. That was was it for me. And um, I just didn't want to do it. And while I was there, I tried to find a creative outlet of some sort. And um, I would always go on Tumblr, Pinterest, Facebook, did not have an Instagram back then. And um, somebody decided to make a fake Instagram account of me and take all of my photos Mm. and everything I made. It was probably Mike. Probably, (laughs) probably, yeah. yeah. Right, right. (laughs) And uh, the whole goal was really to just get more followers than whoever that person was. And, um, you know, because I hated what I was in school for, it was fun. It was like something creative. It was an outlet of some sort. So I was doing that. And um, so I got the followers, whatever. And um, I decided to, you know, find jobs while I was in school. Okay. You know, I, my, I was moved out. My parents didn't want to have anything to do with what I was doing. Um, so had to get a job. Got two jobs and uh, kept getting fired. I was, <laughs> I was in the other spectrum of things. I was in marketing at that time. And uh, doing marketing for other companies while doing my blog was a no-no back then. Yep. So that was seven years ago. Now, if you have a blog, people will hire you right off the bat. Mm. People will be like, wow, you know all this stuff. You right. know social media, you know marketing, you know PR. Like, we'll hire you. But back then, I, got, I kept getting fired for it. So my boyfriend at that time, now my husband, he said, why don't you just not work for anybody? Why don't mm-hmm. you try and figure out if this really would work? So the first gig I got was a $10 payment for a T-shirt. And I was like, if I do a couple hundred of these $10 T-shirt posts... <laughs> Wait, to post a t-shirt? To post a t-shirt well, and get the t-shirt for free. I was so you were psyched like, wow, about it. if I do 10,000 yeah. of these. Right. I was, <laughs> like, I, can make, though, right? Yeah, yeah. I was like, I can make a killing. So why not? Like, I'll do it. So $10. I was so psyched. And it was the most exciting thing. We did this whole production for this one little t-shirt company. Uh-huh. And I was just so excited. And um, it just kind of, that was it. Like, there yeah. was no blueprint for it. So we... We were just trying to make our way, trying to figure out like what social media was, like uh-huh. what is this newfound industry? Yeah. Like we don't we don't really know anything about it. Right. And um, on the other side of things, brands also didn't know much about it. So they they were kind <laughs> of like, oh, like we want you want to work with us. Like what is this situation you want us to do? Like how yeah. does this work? What is the blueprint? I think so, that's, the two of you have that in common. Where yeah. like you go into meetings and they're like, how does this work? Can right. you tell us and how I this works? And I think today still, people are yeah. still like trying to figure it out. It's still right. such a new industry that mm-hmm. like, you know, on both ends, like as a brand and, um, you know, as an entrepreneur, like yeah. we, we are trying to still mesh and figure out how to work together. Uh-huh. Yeah. Right. Okay. Scott, you're up. Um, I think mine's a bit more traditional, <laughs> um, and I'm the elder on the panel. Um, no, I think I think the thing we have in common, though, is that entrepreneurism. I mean, I, I originally went to. I'll make this a short because it's a long story because I got a lot of years. Uh, I went to school. I originally thought I wanted to be a, a orthopedic surgeon, so I studied exercise and sports science uh, at Penn State. And after about two years in that, my brother was an architect, got really inspired by what he did. I got into design um, and just absolutely fell in love with that. Called my parents, told them I wasn't going to be a, design, or be a doctor, um, and that worked well. Um, and eventually, uh, actually, first job was in uh, New York City. I worked in fashion for George Armani. 
uh, and in visuals. Uh, so I did window displays, those types of things. And I got recruited out to Nike. So I worked with Nike for about 14 different years in different capacities. I was there in team sports, you know, grew up watching a lot of sports and was kind of a fiend for it, still am. And uh, evolved over into their brand group. And when I was in their brand group, that was the time that, uh, you know, just some of the legends, Sergio Lozano, uh, Bob Mervar, designing the Presto, that time I got just really hyped on on footwear. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of where my, you know, that background of exercise and sports science kind of came into right. footwear. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I studied graphic design and painting, so I didn't have a background in industrial design, so I think kind of that same kind of earn it mentality. And so I hustled nights and weekends and, and would, you know, show up in the cross-training group with designs and, um, you know, I'd make molds of, you know, I didn't know what a last was, so I'd like mold my foot and build models on that and then hustle around and, you know, kind of eventually, you know, was there so much that uh, uh, they hired me into that group, uh, into footwear. So, so you annoyed them to the point where they gave you Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And then started making the money. So they kept me. Um, <laughs> so different incantation. So I was at Nike for, in different capacities. It was, I was the creative director of Converse for about five years. Um, and most recently, this, this incantation has been an amazing experience with Kohan. Mm -hmm. um, you know, back to kind of that work for what you believe in idea, uh, you know, we've really kind of transformed the industry in terms of, I, I think the opportunity and the reason that I was so excited about joining the brand was just watching the way people are working today. You know, I follow all three of you guys, just watching the way that how much we move around, the versatility needed. I think that background, the background kind of in functionality of product, I get really excited about the, the idea and I think it's kind of connected back to the, the doctor thing of like, how do you help people live an extraordinary life? And, and I, I believe in that, that you can do that through product. Yeah. So it's kind of- I think we're also today. at an interesting time where like, we probably all remember an era where like you were judged by how you dressed on what you did for a living, right? So if like Mike walked into a meeting like this, people would be like, oh, use the service entrance, right? No offense. No. But you're I, like, many you're times on my yeah, track bike, I'd be told, uh, go to the delivery side. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah, exactly. Always. Um, but now we're at this era where it's like, this is now an expression and this could be the CEO of a major company. Yes. Yep. You know? uh, and I think Kohan is like at the intersection of that because of their heritage of where they yeah, come Yeah, we've always been a, the working person's brand. Yeah. And I think that's the new evolution of it today and right. what it is. Yeah. Um, so I want to get into the next question for all three of you. Uh, you, you mentioned the Frank Ocean story yeah. and how that was an experiment. When did the experiment turn into like, wow, this is real now? Like, it's a business now. It's no longer just me experimenting shit out here. I guess it was just like I launched a website and the website, you know, at the time did you know, more sales than I made in the last month of graphic design. And I was like, you know, I was freelancing doing graphics. I mean, I, I think for probably the first year of the business, I was making vinyl decals for people. I was printing t-shirts for people. I was doing graphics for three different brands. I was freelancing for two different companies while I was doing Chinatown Market. Like, I was literally like, I will do whatever the hell I have to do so that I can do this, uh -huh. you know? And 
I think it was probably just at a moment of like, we had a graphic that said, thank you, have a nice day with a rose. And that shirt, just hand over a fist, was like our best seller for an entire year, you know? And it's like those little moments like that and like the smiley face were just two icons that kind of latched onto the brand early and became yeah. these things that like, if I made a new color or a new execution or whatever, that it kind of got a lot of attention. And right. I just started finding like the brand pillars and it was all based in positivity in a time in the world that was so negative and right on the heels of Trump getting elected and all these things happening. And yeah. it's like, it was a very interesting moment of like having a smiley face being an icon of the brand. Do you remember a moment where you said like, wow, I don't have to do like freelance graphic design anymore? You know, or do you still feel like you might have to do that? <laughs> I, I don't like talk about like money figures, uh -huh. but I think it was like the moment that I had the company had made more money than I had ever made in a year mm -hmm. in like one month, mm -hmm. and I was just like, I called my dad and I was like, Dad, like this is insane. Like I can't believe this. Like I showed him a picture. It's not in my bank, bank account, account. <laughs> but it's not my personal bank account. But like it's just nuts, you know. And it's like, it's you awesome. know, it's just because you're yeah, you're so proud to be able to call your parents and not like I remember in college I'd call my dad and be like, I can't afford to go buy Subway. Can you lend right. me like ten bucks or twenty bucks? Yeah. And so, you know, it's like, I'm grateful to now, like, my dad needed a bathroom recently and I was able to help him make that happen, you know? It's but so it's, it's things like that where it's like, you know, you dream of buying your parents a car one day or one of these things. And I got the chance to take my dad to Japan recently for his birthday. And, you know, he got to go to Wagyu Mafia and, you know, do that whole experience yeah, and yeah. all this stuff. And it's like, this is the stuff we dream about, you know? Right. Like, all the other glory and all this other shit is cool, but it's like, to be able to see your family, be able to, uh -huh. you know, enjoy that and yeah. see it and also be proud of it, because. Yeah. You know, I know that many people are raised with their parents not supporting their stuff. I was lucky enough to have parents who worked in the industry, and while they told me never to work in fashion, like mm -hmm. they were very supportive. You know, and right. so I'm and grateful you have a team for now that. too. Of course. How yeah. many employees do you have? Right? Like uh, four of them here, um, oh. but. I think we got like uh, 14 people That's in the office. That's amazing too, right? But yeah, I mean, still, it's it's insane. You yeah. know, the fact that from what I was just piecing together by me doing every graphic and shipping every order to do all these things, to now there's people doing all these things. It's it's crazy. It's also scary, you know, yeah. because the minute you pull your hand off, like there's so many times where I would leave town and it would just become a playground and, and do whatever they wanted, you know. Mm -hmm. And I think it's like, you know, there's the, the people who are here today are probably not the guys who did that, you know. <laughs> but it's you know, it's the ones who made the They're choices like, to step up and. To, and to right. really be there because my business is not so much of like, here's the path and this is how you do it. It's like, you see how hard I work and you can work your ass off and find your way or you're probably not gonna find your way in that system. Right. You know? Yeah. So. Word of warning though, one time I showed my mom a screenshot of like a number in my bank account <laughs> that I was super proud of. And she's like, oh, does this mean you could pay me back for yeah. like high school and college? Like, legit, yeah. legit. And yeah. she's still to this day is like, can you make that like an auto payment every month yeah. that you can buy? I'm like, <laughs> I'm not mad at it, you know, like, get it. Um, so, so Gene, uh, do you remember, and maybe it hasn't happened yet, but do you remember where you're like, wow, okay, I never have to go look for that part-time job. I never have to fall back on nursing. This is the way now. Oh, that happened the first year that I, the first year and a half maybe that I did it. And I, I, I remember I was telling my husband, I was like, I'm so glad I got fired. Yeah. I'm so glad that they let me go. Like, what was that moment? Did you, like, was it a particular it was gig a, or something? It was, um, so before that I was working for a marketing company mm -hmm. and you know, you, you get your weekly paycheck, you get whatever it is that you work for and that's it. And, like you go, you clock in, you leave, you clock out, whatever. Yep. Um, this was like a continuous 24 seven, nine to five type hustle and it was hard, uh -huh. but I loved it. And yeah. I, I, like what Mike said, I, I wanted to do what I could. So I never had to work for anybody else because mm. that was amazing. And the high you get from doing what you love is yeah. like the best high you could possibly get. Right. So I was like, all right, the first year, 
um, I would be in my apartment, I would just be by myself. Like I had to force myself to find like a schedule because, you know, as somebody that you you know that you, you don't work for anybody, mm -hmm. you kind of had to discipline yourself to, yeah. you know, you have to wake up. You have to wake up your own paycheck. You have to like. Email, right. all these things. The first few months is cool because you're in your pajamas 24 right, 7. But then, right. like, you'd be like, I should get dressed. Yeah. Like, and, like, yeah. pretend I'm working, right? <laughs> yeah, you, you had to yeah. do what you had to do to kind of, like, make it work for yourself and right. make your own schedule. And um, really, it paid off after, I think, when the industry was kind of getting into the whole social media PR marketing mm -hmm. for, you know, influencers. Yeah. And um, the second year we were doing it, uh, we had a really, really big campaign. We, we were talking about how much money it was, and mm -hmm. I was like, wow, this is more money than I could have ever imagined it coming in a year. Yeah, you know? in so one gig. Working, yeah, versus yeah. working for somebody. Right. So, and then, you know, years later, he decides to quit his job, and we're, like, doing this together. So it's such a great thing to share it with somebody, like, what Mike said with family, and, like, being able to show my mom, like, hey, look, I don't have to be a nurse to be successful. Mm -hmm. like, there's other ways, there's other paths to success. It's not yeah. just this one way, one road type thing. Like, right. you know, it's success over on the other end. How do you choose to get there? It's not one Yeah, it's not path. one yeah. way. Yeah. Absolutely. Scott, do you remember the moment where you were like, doctor medicine is not for me. I'm going to be in footwear in design. I, it, the path has been so, it, it's rambled so much. Like it's really, it's been a very, I want to say organic just because like the journey's just been very much like, well, that looks like fun, and that looks kind of cool, and it's mm -hmm. been very much just kind of zigzag around, and even my first job, I, I lied about the Georgia Money thing, my first job was at a medical editorial firm in Falls Church, Virginia. When I, when I left school, I found the 20 places that I wanted to work. So at the time, so there really weren't computers to speak of, um, so we would send out slides. So you send out just a slide folio with your resume with some work in this. And uh, and I sent it out to, you know, a bunch of, at the time I was really excited about editorial magazines. Yeah. And I sent it to um, Rolling Stone, which I did get an interview for. But the one place that I really loved was this guy in Virginia who was doing just these really cool combinations of typography and image with different artists. And it was just really beautiful, the work that he was doing. I mean, it turns out, it's a small firm and like a, basically like above a garage. But he was the only one who wrote me back and was like, if you come on down, the job's yours. And I think I made like 19 grand a year or something like that. And um, I absolutely despised it. Um, the the first, <laughs> first project he gave me was typesetting. Yeah. The uh, National Endowment for the Arts. Okay. And their, uh, basically their annual report, which was like 600 pages. Mm -hmm. And we're typesetting in like PageMaker or something like right. that. And I just worked on it for months and months and months and months. And finally I quit. I sold my car and I flew to Russia. And I went there to go. Um, <laughs> you exiled uh, yourself. I did. Yeah. I did. And I then kind of went this path. And that's, but that's when I, I, I went there and fell in love with icon painting. And I went there to go study to be an icon painter. Uh, I did not. But when I came home, I went back to school to be a, a painter. Nice. So and, you went all and, in, so, yeah. and so I went for a full year, and that's when I got a call from a friend who was in New York and was like, look, you got to go try it for this Giorgio Armani thing. Mm -hmm. Reluctantly, um, we should bleep this out, I didn't like the city. So I was like... I, I, You're allowed to not like New York. Yeah. Okay. So, but I, came, I literally came in, dropped off my portfolio, and I left right after. I took the bus back to that's Allentown, amazing. Pennsylvania, because I didn't, I didn't want to yeah. do it. 
Yeah. But they, they called me that afternoon, and they were like, we want you to come back in. <laughs> so I borrowed my dad's suit jacket and pants and came in for the interview, and yeah. I got the job. That's amazing. And they were like, can you be here next week? So anyway, so that was the time. Right. Where, like, when I told my parents I wasn't going to be a doctor, and my mom said, well, can you make money at that? Uh -huh. yeah. Being a graphic designer? <laughs> right. Yeah. And so it's worked out. Did you learn to love New York eventually? I, I do. I do. Uh, I do love New York. Okay, yeah. good. <laughs> you're you safe. can quote me. Yeah, on. you're yeah. safe. Exactly. <laughs> so let's let's now dive into each of your brands. Uh, if you had to elevator pitch me, what each of your brands represent? Go for it. What is Chinatown Market? I just think it's fun, you know, and it's it's an open book, and it's the opposite of everything else that I've known in my life, you know. It's mm -hmm. like we all love brands, but we never interact with them, and we want to feel like your friend, you know. And it's like it's like buying clothes from your friend, and like you know, the community that we try to build is is a community that's supportive of creativity, and you know, we want our consumers to feel like they can do it too. And it's like constantly making that a process is a big thing for us. Right. Do you have a? Um, I'm gonna ask you this later. Okay. I'll save it for later. Gene, go ahead. <laughs> what is Gray Layers? Um, just being relatable. The thing that I've been posting for so long since I started was just not something that is unattainable. Mm -hmm. Like, I want people to be able to come to my page and be like relatable to everybody and yeah. accessible. So, I want people to feel like they're a part of something and not like excluded. Mm -hmm. And that's the whole brand that I'm trying to convey. Yeah, I've noticed in your, in your feed, like, you've gone from the image of you to now, like, the making of the image of you. Yeah. And I love all the screwed up stuff that you put up. That's like the, the, the no makeup, the outtakes, like it's awesome. Thank you. Yeah. All right, Scott. Uh, with Kohan, yeah. it's, it's helping people to realize their extraordinary lives and doing that through products. So, you know, we're a lifestyle brand. So from bags to outerwear to footwear. And I, I as I said before, like I, I very much believe in that idea of you know, accompanying you on your journey mm -hmm. and not impeding you. I think there's so many, there's so many brands out there that, it, like, everything's great from a style perspective, but it's got to work. Yeah. And I think that connection is, is what makes the brand truly special. Right. Okay. Uh, my next question is a really quick one. I want you to answer as fast as you can. Uh, a standard work week is nine to five, eight hours a day, five days a week. That's 40 hour a week, right? That's, the, that's how you get to the 40 hour week work week. How many hours a week do you work, each of you? Probably like eight to seven, so whatever that is, times five. Yeah. Eight to seven hours? No, eight, 8 a.m. to 7 p.m. Okay. Yeah, probably. Times five. Times you five. actually take weekends off. I do take weekends off now, you know? Beautiful. But I, I mean, I'm, I'm always connected to everything, but yeah, it's just like, you know, no matter what, I'm gonna be on my phone, be communicating or talking, right. but yeah, like, I, I mean, I will say, for the beginning, first year, year and a half of the business, I'll be there on Saturdays, I'll be there on Sundays, mm -hmm. but, you know, it's like, you talk about balance in life and, you know, yeah. trying to find a, you know, bit of happiness. It's like, right. the only other time that I'm not working, I'm, you know, usually with my girlfriend and my dog, like, sitting on the couch, relaxing, and, mm -hmm. you know, trying to just find somewhat of, like, a peace in life yeah. that, you know, when you go this crazy in your always working it's mm -hmm. like it can it can hinder my brain and it can yeah. hinder like my you know just like health in general and you know there's a lot of things that I think I sacrifice for that yeah so Gene how many hours a week do you work and I'm always online like 24 7 yeah it's hard for you to yeah delineate. there's like no shutdown so I think along the way I've kind of gotten smarter more well-versed in like self-love and all that stuff so what I started doing was since I'm always on 24 7 I'll like pick one week like randomly or like maybe like tomorrow like Randomly, I'll be like, okay, for the next 24 hours, like, I'll just not go on my phone. Or I, I mean, I haven't posted in two days, so something, really? I'll do something like that, yeah. Wow. 
I feel like you're always, there's always, always a new post. There's always something. And like whatever I'm doing, I'm eating or like I'll go take like, I don't know, like an outfit or walk my dog. Like it's always, there. I'm always yeah. on, like I'm always sharing. So it's like. Wait, so you just went on like a big vacation? I did. Or what looked to be a vacation? It was a vacation. Was it a vacation? Yeah, it was a vacation. No, but you were covered. It was like full coverage 24 seven of the, the vacation. Thing. Here's the thing though, like. I, with my job, it's 24-7 thing, but at the same time, it's like, it's fun work that... Okay, that's the problem. That's, that's where you, it's hard to delineate. Right, yeah. right, right. So there's such a fine line in like knowing when to shut off because I love it so much. And um, it's very difficult for me to really put it aside because it's kind of addicting. Yeah. So it's like, okay, like, I'll go to... I don't know, I'll go to like a trip, like a personal trip. And um, like it's a vacation. Week, yeah, like yeah. I, I went to Sirius and Caicos with my husband and I was like, this is a vacation, you know, I'm not gonna answer emails, I'm not gonna, you know, so my out of office was on, but the uh -huh. creating side of the whole right. business was like still on. Right. I couldn't help myself and not like Share. create something. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, I you're on vacation, vacation but Barrack's in the ocean with camera equipment on his back, like, <laughs> trying to, like, get the shot, I'm sure. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's awesome. Right? That's what, that was what really happened, right? He got all the Yeah. <laughs> he does. He actually does. Hello, hello. Scott, are you a 40-hour week guy, or are you, are you always on, too? Uh, always on. I think you've got to quantify it's probably 50 to 60 hours, but I think, I, like, we, we always talk about our work, like, we move at the speed of digital, Mm -hmm. And digital's just fast. Yeah. So like it's never stopping. And I also think in a very entrepreneurial environment, and I think everybody can relate, like, uh, like opportunities don't have a timeline. Mm -hmm. So if it's there, you do it. Yeah. And I think that's the thing where like the tools in order to manage, whether it's 60 hours or 80 hours or whatever, right. I think it's just about the tools to kind of stay healthy and, and combat that. Because I, th I just think, We've transcended into a new realm. It's not the this hour work week anymore. Mm -hmm. It's just always on. It's just yeah. a matter of how you shut it off. You and I have definitely had Saturday Sunday tech sessions. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, so how do, Mike? How do you turn off? Like, what are some tips that you use to like definitely unplug? Because you could always be on if you never deliberately do it. It's a really good question. Yeah, I think like. Uh... You know, it's kind of in similar to what Gene says, like, I do love what I do. I love to just make stuff. Like, yeah. that's why I think doing this brand is so fun, because I'm not, like, my last company was all focused on reflectivity and safety mm -hmm. and function. And mm -hmm. I think that at the end of the day with Chinatown Market, I can go make a sequin puffer jacket and I can go make a regular T-shirt, yeah. you know? And it's like, that sequin puffer jacket's probably for, like, the 0.01% of my customer base, and that's for, to satisfy my weird creativity. Mm -hmm. And then it's the other stuff that is just normal and accessible. Right. And, yeah. Like if you're, let's say you're home late at night and then you think of an idea. Do you like open up the laptop and start working on it? Or are you like, let me save that for 938? I try to keep it at home or like nice. keep it at the office. But yeah, you know, it's just because I think like I used to just at all hours at all times, but I'll be my note section is just crazy of just like constant spur of ideas. Yeah. But I have to find that disconnection because I found I was just burning out in certain places. You know, right, I was right. finding like, you know, creative walls of just like, you know, what the hell am I gonna do right now? Mm -hmm. So I'm not good at the like, yeah, like, I, I wish I could just probably put my phone away for 24 hours or like, you know, these things, but I, I start to get like mental anxiety of like emails. Or, yeah, that you know, you're you missing on a, out on. Yeah, whatever, you sit yeah. on a 15 hour flight and you land in New York and all of a sudden you have 350 <laughs> emails and yeah. I'm just like, 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 and how am I gonna respond to all these things? They all require a creativity moment and like, you know, all yeah. these things have to happen on a rapid like kind of right. speed and you gotta constantly come up with new ideas for these big moment projects that are gonna come out in a year and like, mm -hmm. you gotta hope that those five minutes of creativity was enough to be able to have a big moment just right. like, you know, it's like, 
like any of these things. So, yeah. yeah. Gene, how do you unplug? Sounds like your life's pretty dope, though, like, to be honest. I love it. <laughs> it's life. that shit. Yeah. He's, got, he's got the crap life. No, no. he loves his life. Yeah. He does. He promises. Say it. I will. Yeah. <laughs> um, for do me... You, yeah, just put away the phone, or do you do other tricks and stuff to, to really unplug? Um, probably not really uh, go on social media. Mm-hmm. And, um, like, for the recent trip that we did, uh, let's say I was creating, I wasn't answering emails. Mm-hmm. One thing that I want to ask you in particular about mm-hmm. is like, you know how there's like social media fatigue that yeah. people talk about? That's real. Where it's like when you're on it and not just producing it, but when you're like fielding people's comments and jabs and digs and stuff, like, do you face that often? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And um, I think through the years I've gotten very well versed at like how to handle it mm-hmm. um, before I would like get back at them like reply yeah. and like or you know block do you block block no I was just like you know say whatever you want like you could do whatever you want I mean this is a free country you could yeah whatever you know it's like you the, have to like it must be tough for you because like when you know when we make product and then yeah. put it out and people talk shit about the product it's one thing but right. you're putting yourself out that's so when really they talk difficult shit, they're talking I hate to say it, but, like, they're talking Especially shit about, about me. Yeah. Right. But I think <laughs> where it all roots is, like, uh, you got to have, you got to be really confident in what you're doing. Yeah. And you have to really believe that, I guess, like, being true to what you're creating mm-hmm. is important. Because if you don't really believe in what you're creating, then you could easily get swayed in what other people say. Yeah. And if somebody doesn't like it, you could start crying, you know. But, like, I mean, nobody, not everybody's going to like you. Yeah. Like, I've, I've learned that. And right. I think getting into, I think this is why, like, I was put here in this business, like, mm-hmm. you know, um, because I know how to handle criticism pretty yeah. well. Um, I don't easily get, like, shook when somebody says something bad. Like, Always I can, from the beginning? I can handle it from the beginning. Oh, cool. Yeah, so um, it was never really an issue for me. Nice. But, like, let's say, what was your question? Like, how to, how to shut down? Yeah. Um, now, for instance, like for Fashion Week, I pick and choose very wisely where I put my energy. Mm-hmm. So it's like I'll have like ten shows, and then that's it. I don't like if I don't resonate with a brand, I shut down completely. Mm-hmm. Like I'm, you know, I think it came with the years of me creating yeah. and me working in this industry right. to be able to be picky. Yeah. But I've learned to really filter like where I put my my brand in if we resonate with each other like with Cole Haan for instance like it went so well and everything meshed perfectly because it's such a great brand and like you know we all work well together but um you know I just stopped saying yes to everything Mm -hmm. you're like curating yourself yes yeah Yeah. and I want my audience to see that you know I'm not just gonna say yes to everything as well like Mm -hmm. you know I want them to know that oh this is what she just like, you know, the pair of shoes that she just wears, the drink that she just drinks, like, mm-hmm. this is her bag. Like, yeah. I don't want them to think that, oh, she's just going to, you know, post and get saturated, yeah. right. right? Okay. Scott, how do you turn off? Uh, it's a little less sexy. Um, <laughs> I, I go back to the time of rotary phones. So I, I think the transition into the digital world, yeah. I think there was a time, I was saying to somebody last week, like, there was a time I remember... You know, there, of course, there was nothing digital. Like, from morning to, to night, you know, it was just you yeah. and outside. So I have that, I have that recall of, of that and the need, I think, to achieve that mm-hmm. just because I think that's part of, like, it's built into my DNA now. I think, so a lot of the tools, I actually burn out in a job once. So I have that reference point of understanding, like, right. you know your where the line. wall yeah. is. right. 
and a big tool for me is like I've always journaled for 20 plus oh, cool. years. So I write, I try to write every morning. Manually in a book? Uh, I did for probably 10 of those. Uh -huh. And now, now I just write in Word. And I, I just go. And I'll do it. Sometimes I just time myself and put it on for 30 minutes and I'll just go. And then, and it really just helps to compartmentalize things and go, well, that goes there, this, this here, that throw, throw that one away. That's awesome. And I got to try that. And then it just becomes, and the important stuff just kind of shines out. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's one way. I meditate a little bit too. And then I'm kind of a gym rat. So that's awesome. Yeah. Good. Um, okay. Progressing into the now, into the near future. What is the biggest challenge you face now with your business? I think it's just in you know the growth and just mm -hmm. having new people, like people who grow with the business and people who probably grow out of the situation that they're in, and you know just being okay with understanding that not everyone from the beginning of the business will be there in a year, in five years, but the people who are here for the long run will be there, you know. Yeah. And I think it's it's a hard thing because the first time we had to let someone go from the business, I was torn apart, you know. Yeah. Like my whole mental was just messed up. I was worried about how this person was going to react, what was going to happen. Like, was it going to affect everyone on the team? Was right. it going to, like, create an entire problem? And the kid just was like, cool, and he just walked away. And I was just like, damn. I just tore myself up for weeks over this. And, like, I defended this person. I wanted them to, you know, all these right. things. And I just was like, damn, I was wrong. Yeah. You know, and I was just like, you know, it's just, I think anything in my life has been learned by huge failure and by huge, like, what the hell were you doing? And I think that that was just a big wake-up call, you know? Yeah. And it's like... Owning a business, I, for a very long time, just kind of let things rock and let people do their thing, but I realized, like, I built this thing. I gotta remember that I did that and that these people are here, obviously, you know, not to just build my dream. They have their own dreams and yeah. they're gonna go do their own thing, but if they really wanna do that, they'll put in the work here and then they'll go do that, you know? Right, but right. a lot of people, I think, lose that side of that and then yeah. start getting almost selfish notions while being there, and so... Learned a lot of lessons, you know, I think just a lot of pain points and, yeah. you know, just learning how to manage people, which, you know, I'm good at doing my own thing and I did great just doing it myself, but I've learned a lot of hard lessons just trying to now work with other people and also be a, a leader because it's, it's not easy, you know, right. and I know that I fuck up a lot, you know, and I make mistakes and just... But they're looking at you as their leader at this point. Yeah, time. you know, yeah. and I think that that's the only thing is I always say to these guys, like, don't be afraid to fail, you uh -huh. know, because that's everything I've done to get here. Yeah. So, you know, you have to always be willing to make that failure so that you can get better. Yep, for sure. Firing is the worst thing. The worst. <laughs> Jean, what's the, what's the challenges that you face for your business now? Um, I think it's balancing how people, how brands, per se, uh, mm -hmm. are in the industry now yeah. that it's evolved. Yes. So It was an unknown thing. Now right. it's like a known thing. Now it's yeah. like, okay, now we kind of get it. Now we know where the money goes and uh -huh. how this works financially. So yeah. now there's a... 20 million pages of paperwork and like you, right. go, we, you know we got to talk about you know usage and yeah, rights and yeah. all this stuff and everything that comes along with you know creating something together mm -hmm. so just kind of like balancing that and balancing where and how I started in the beginning mm -hmm. like kind of and marrying that together is yeah. like the you know still right still a challenge yeah. still trying to still trying to continuously learn the business of creating mm -hmm. And staying true to how I started. Right. Yeah. It's a, it's a fine line to walk. It is. Scott, what's the challenges for Cole Hahn? Um, I think the biggest challenge is continuing to listen and observe the way people live their lives. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think, you know, when I started with the brand, I think one of the, one of the most unique things that we've built is, 
it's pretty exceptional in that, like we talk about, there's the style piece, there's, there's the form and the function piece. And I think our lives are so rapidly evolving and changing and the way that we move about, the things that we do, et cetera, that I think there's, there's, there's the potential to get lazy and really truly put the work in to do exceptional things mm -hmm. and extraordinary things in, in that observance and that kind of consumer empathy and really understanding like how people live yeah. and what they do. Because that's like that work is what truly makes it special. When we uh -huh. built this really amazing organism, where when we when we built out our talent, we have designers from the dress and the casual world, but we also have performance and innovation designers who come from that performance space. And having, I mean, that's like it's like peanut butter and chocolate, but it's also like you know oil and what is it, oil and water, yeah. where it's just like this weird dynamic, but through that mashup and that weird dynamic, you can create really exceptional things. Yeah. So I think always keeping that tension between those things to continue that transformation within the industry mm -hmm. and do great things for yeah. people and serve people in that way. Right. I think in, in all of our businesses, as a business, you want to be more efficient and you want to scale but those are the opposite elements of raw creativity. So it's like, how do you become like streamlined, efficient, productive, but also dope and have fun right. and be like and confident, yeah. yeah, and curious, yep. you know? Um, okay, so I'm gonna start with you for the last question, so we just share it a little bit. Um, what advice do you have for anyone that's trying to break into your industry or, or make it out there right now? Mm, I will not pretend like I haven't thought about this. Um, <laughs> Uh, a couple things. I think I think one is work your ass off. Um, just work, work, and work. It's okay if you don't know what the exact thing is. Just go do something, mm -hmm. and that thing will lead you to the next thing and to the next thing. And listen to your John Jay when John Jay was talking about the idea that it doesn't have to be perfect. Like yeah. you, you do that and you don't like it, and then you go over here and you figure it out and you zig and you zag. Like that's mm -hmm. that's part of the journey. I think. He said the biggest epidemic right now is young people and their paralysis of failure. Yep. They don't want to make a move until they know it's going to be 100%, but it'll never be 100%, so they never make a move. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. I, and I, I also think, um, I think making sure you connect with some great mentors, you know, even if it's like the not perfect thing, but find somebody who... who is doing that thing, and that yeah. will lead to the next thing. Not, not like you're looking to flip people, but like just go there, find those people. Mm -hmm. And I also, think, I also think empathy, compassion, and respect and love are just massive, massive pieces to that. That it's just not, it's not about business. It's about how you treat people and the relationships. And ultimately, all of this stuff is about connection and how we connect to each other. So that's, Beautiful. that's where I go. Amazing answer. James, what advice do you have for, I'm sure you get asked this all the all time. All the time, yeah. Um, I always say, kind of go back to your why. Um, I say this a lot on like panels and like talks and whatever, but I think it's so important to go back to your reason of why you started it in the first place. Because like for me, I've been doing this for eight years and I still lose my way. You know, sometimes you get caught up in like, how it works now and how things are going yeah, now. The mechanics and, of the Right, now. right. Yeah. So you kind of like, you know, and then I, I hit a wall and I'm like, oh wait, like, and then I have to go back to my why, why uh -huh. I started. I think that's really important. And another thing is humility. You have to really, you know, you're, you're never the shit. Mm -hmm. 
you you're never too smart. You're never you're never you never know enough. Yeah. You you can never be. You're always a student. Mm -hmm. So I'm always still constantly learning, still constantly trying to figure it out. And um, I think the second that you let go of your humility is like when you when you stop learning and then you 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 just stop yeah, growing. Yeah, you die. Yeah. Yeah, and then you die. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I kind of echo everything you guys are saying. I think, you know, in reality, it's just keeping your head down, not being afraid to fail, as I said, and, you know, just being willing to put in the work. And I think everyone wants it so instantaneous with the, you know, world of social media and thinking yeah. that things come now. And, you know, it's like, it's like any of these guys in our office who, you know, are really talented, a few of these guys have things that they want to build one day and brands that they want to develop and things that they want to grow. And I think that, you know, I just always encourage them, like, put in the work here, learn everything you can in this business, and be able to put your head down so that you can walk away saying, I tried all these things, I have experience with them, and now I can go do it for myself. Yeah. Because the biggest mistake I ever made was getting an investor, being told, go focus on the design, and then I did not worry about the business. Mm -hmm. And all I did was just design, 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 but I was making really cool shit, but that's all I was making was really cool shit. Mm -hmm. I wasn't making really cool sellable shit to run a business. <laughs> and I think that it's like, I always say to people, you want to go make stuff for yourself? Go have a hobby. Go do other stuff. But but you're not doing that as a business, right. you know? If you want to run a business, be smart and be considered in what you're going to do yeah. and in your approach because yeah. it's easy to go make stuff, but it's very hard to run a business. Right. All right. Hey, thanks for listening to this awesome live taping with the inspiring trio of Mike Sherman, Gene Gray, and Scott Pat. As always, you can find out more about the show and listen to other episodes at HypeBeast.com slash radio. You can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. I personally use Anchor FM. Also, if you do me a favor and please leave a comment and rating about the show, it really helps out a lot. Also, if you can tell a friend about the show, that'd be great. Share it on social media. Everything helps a lot to spread the word. We do occasionally answer listener questions on the show. So if you have a question, shoot it over to me on Twitter. I'm at Jeff Staple. The business of hype is created in collaboration with Bright Young Things. You can check out their work at byt.nyc. Our director is Daniel Nevetta. Our audio engineer is David Rogers Berry. Our associate producers are Sydney Bacumpra and Christina Hong. This episode was recorded at Sibling Rivalry Studio and on location at the Cole Haan flagship in Soho, New York. I'm Jeff Staple, and you've been listening to The Business of Hype on Hypebeast Radio. Hypebeast.